Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning again and welcome back to Romans. We're in chapter 3 at the first verse. Now, I'm actually not going to read this this morning. I'm going to read a take on it uh, written by William Barclay a long time ago. Um, what's going on in this passage? Paul has been you know, uh, pulling out the ideas and working on just how bad things are and where we're starting from and so on. And in this passage, he's thinking out loud still, and, and you can still just imagine this poor beggar who's trying to write stuff down for him. And what I think Paul is doing, have you ever been in conversation with people and you think, the next time someone asks me that, I know what I'm going to say. Or, you know, you get home at night and think, oh, I should have said. Uh, and you sort of run the, the conversation again. Or, um, you know, someone asks you something, you just, you know, run the thing that you've, you've learned to say. All of that is in play here. Paul is having a conversation with imaginary objectors. And he's really just having the conversation that he has with people all the time and all the things that he'd like to say uh, in this passage. So I won't read the passage as it comes, because it's technical, tricky, and hard to understand. I'll read you a paraphrase of it. This is how it goes. So Paul imagines an objector in his mind who says, well, the result of everything you've been saying is there's no difference between Gentiles and Jews. They're in exactly the same position. Is that what you really mean? Paul, no. Well, what's the difference? Paul, well, for one thing, the Jews possess what the Gentiles never got so directly, the commandments of God. So the objector says, sure, but what about the Jews who disobeyed those commandments were unfaithful to God? They, you, you said they came under his condemnation. You said God gave them a special position, a special promise, and now you go on to say that at least some of them are under the condemnation of God. What does that mean? Has God broken his promise and shown himself to be unjust and unreliable? Paul, no, absolutely not. What it shows is there's no favoritism with God, that he punishes sin wherever he sees it. The fact that he condemns the unfaithful Jews is the best possible proof of his absolute justice. He might have been expected to overlook the sins of this special people, but he doesn't. The objector. Aha, all you've done is to succeed in showing that my disobedience actually gives God an opportunity to demonstrate his righteousness. My unfaithfulness gives God a fantastic opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness. So my sin, Brother Paul, is an excellent thing. It, God, it gives God the chance to show how good he is. I may have done wrong, but something wonderful has come out of it. Now, you surely can't condemn me or anyone else for giving God a chance to show his justice. Paul, as soon as you say that out loud, you should work out how stupid that sounds. It's utterly intolerable and beneath contempt. And that, that's what's going on. Paul is having this argument with this guy who lives in his head. So having, having sort of untangled it a bit, um, just a couple of thoughts for the morning. We've already covered this off. 
Paul is again on about the, the special people, this Jewish nation. And for him, this is such big news. And frankly, it's a huge issue for the gospel. How does, how does the gospel become a light to the entire world? Or is it, is it stuck within the confines of Jewish nationalism and Jewish genetics? And Paul says, no, the Jews have a special position only because they have a special responsibility, not a special privilege. They've been entrusted with the oracles of God. In this case, he probably means the Ten Commandments. And he says, God is saying to them, you are a special people, therefore you must live a special life. Not, you are a special people, you can do whatever you like. Rather, you're a special people. You do what I like. Well, now, in that time, that thought never crossed the mind of the Jewish community. They really couldn't grasp that idea, which to us sounds so self-evident. Don't underestimate the impact that Paul and the gospel have had on the Western mind. Things that we think are like, yeah. When the Christians started saying this, were earth-shattering. So that's the first thing. The second thing, God's ruthless commitment to our freedom and his equally ruthless commitment to getting the job done anyway. Now, Paul is quite sure that God is justified in condemning unfaithful Jews. The more opportunity we have to do what's right, the more opportunity we have to know, the greater is our condemnation if we fail in that. But Paul says not everyone's been unfaithful. In his mind, there's always what's called in biblical studies the remnant, this bunch of people who were faithful. As far as Paul's concerned, they're the only true Jews there are. The rest are out. They, they simply don't belong. They're not Jews at all. The remnant is the real nation. And he's pretty sure that God's rejection of Israel in toto is not final. God's plan is not to ditch anyone ever. Not the Jewish nation, not us, not you, not me. God won't ditch us, but he will get around us if he has to. And so Paul says, the Jews have been unfaithful. God has therefore opened the door to the Gentiles. And in the end, the Gentiles will evangelize the Jews and they will ultimately be one under Christ. So the roles have been reversed. The Jewish nation has had freedom to obey or disobey God. They've chosen to disobey by and large. Now, there's still this remnant, but by and large, it's the state of play. So the Gentiles come in and the people who really know God in Christ will evangelize those who do not both Jews and Gentiles. But look how the tables turn. The Jews were supposed to be the evangelists. They were supposed to be the light to the nations. And now the nations become the light to Israel. It's a little bit like in a lot of Catholic parishes around here at the moment where African priests are coming. Why? Because Africa is now evangelizing the West. The evangelists from a more godly place, Africa, are coming to the deepest, darkest West and bringing us the gospel. And the last thing this passage shows is Paul's experience of evangelism, pastoral care and talking to people. And what he seems to say is, you know, in my experience, people do this. They are ingenious in finding ways to justify themselves, to minimize their sin, to, to act in anything, anything other than humble confession. And they will come up with clever ways 
to make themselves okay in their own mind. And Paul really says, that's not hard. That's not hard. When we screw up, our wisest path is humility, seeking forgiveness from God and from anybody else that we need to, to hold very, very short accounts, and in penitence, embarrassment, even shame, to apologise and to take the steps to make us safe for other people and for ourselves that this stuff stops happening. Now, that can be a process. I'm doing a lot of videos and stuff at the moment about um, changing behaviour and brain chemicals and so on. It's amazing. The, the, the science is saying, yeah, real change is absolutely possible. May take a while. May take some pain. It's pretty much everything the Bible always said. But, you know, now we're sort of seeing how it works. And when we stop justifying, we have to start taking the steps that actually lead to change in our lives. It's a journey. It's challenging. It's necessary. Let's come to God. Let's pray. Father, the first prayer this morning is that we could relax a little and stop doing the hard, hard work of self-justification. Stop trying to make it right. Stop trying to do intellectual embroidery to try to make black look white and white look black. Father, we, we just apologize, God. We are wrong. What First John says is right. When we pretend we're not, we're lying and the truth just isn't there. What Paul says later on, you know, there's just this crazy law inside me just keeps going wrong. So, Father, we come to you this morning and just confess at a personal level in terms of our own lives, we're not right. We're broken, we're wrong, and thank you that your business is to fix us. So, Lord, we throw ourselves on mercy rather than on clever intellectual games to try to pretend it's okay. Second thing, God, we worship you this morning that the gifts that you give to people, churches, companies, groups, societies, never change. Thank you, Lord, that you don't withdraw the calling to get things done just because we are unfaithful or disobedient. And thank you, Lord, that the mantle that is over our lives, the, the opportunity for us in our lives always remains. Father, we muck it up so often, Lord. We, we get into second bests and compromises and foul things up. But Lord, thank you that you don't change your mind. You didn't change your mind about the Jews. You haven't changed your mind about us. And God, we appreciate it because when we really look at ourselves, we know we are giving you a subpar obedience and love. Thank you that you remain faithful. So Lord, our last prayer this morning is simply prayer to write this stuff in our heart, Lord, really to get it down deep, the strength, the resolve, the resilience, the courage to stand up and keep going, even in the face of our embarrassment about ourselves, even in the face that we know there is so much that still needs work. And Father, we ask for grace to take the steps that lead to change, Lord, to find friends with whom we can tell the truth of our lives, to find resources where actual change becomes possible and to take responsibility for that, Lord, and stop waiting for some preacher, pastor, mentor, whoever to come and wave the magic wand, Lord, to get a grip of our lives ourselves and say, well, I'm actually not happy with this and it is going to change. 
and then commit Lord to the time frame it takes to do that, whatever it is. So Lord, help us with these things. We give you today and all of its adventures. We're looking forward to it. We will meet Jesus out there. That's going to be great. In his name we pray. Amen. Bless you, dear ones, and uh, we'll see you in the morning and soldier on. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.